Good morning, my friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study, and I'm so glad that you are here today. Praise God. Today, let's talk about the phantom of deception. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll start today in verse 3, and let's open up first in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we jump into the study of your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come and give us illumination concerning this area of the enemy's tactics so that we are wise to it and that we're walking in the light of your word, walking in victory. Now, Father, we thank you for victory in the last days that you've called us to live in this hour that is so unique from any other time in the history of the earth. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. You know, the Lord saw that with his grace and the help of the Holy Spirit, you would have what it takes to live in such crazy times in the last days where no generation on the face of the earth has seen or or is seeing the things that we're beholding today, such uh, different types of wickedness and so forth. But we want to talk about this because, the, uh, the let me say it like this, the darker it is out there, the brighter your light shines. And you can be in a place where there's total darkness, but all you may have is a little bitty light. But because it's so dark, that light, its illumination has such a tremendous effect. And that's the way that we are. We are salt and light in the earth. And this is the hour of the church. This is the church's finest hour. That means it's your finest hour. And God is going to help you overcome every trial and situation. Now, second Corinthians chapter 11, verse three, here we see that the apostle Paul says, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So the enemy, he works again, his various tactics, this time working as he did back in the garden of Eden with deception. He tried to deceive Eve. How did he try to deceive her body? No. Did he try to deceive her Spirit, no, he tried to deceive her mind. And the mind is where the battlefield is at. And this was a very uh, carefully calculated, plotted attack against Eve, and she fell for it. And it was, a, it was a crafty attack. Here we see that the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. You know, the Christian walk is like starting off and, uh, and you're going up a road and at the end of the road, there's Jesus, there's heaven. Uh, there is the finish line, but as you're going up this straight road on the left and on the right are these, let's call them like apartment buildings, maybe three or four stories high. And you have to walk up the middle of the road and on the left and on the right, you've got these buildings and there's like people hanging out the window, talking to you as you go. And many of those people are saying, Hey, I've got something that you really need to see and you would really like. Take just a moment and step over here and come in here and I want to show you something that will really make you happy. And so we have these deceptions that are presented in ways that are very appealing, 
very attractive and uh, you know the the sale of them or the pitch of them is that it's okay to do it everybody's doing it and you can do it it won't hurt you you'll be just fine but the truth is is that it's a deception and we have to keep going forward keeping our eyes on the Lord as the great prize and reaching the finish line and gaining heaven praise the Lord and we're going to do just that Paul said but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Let's remember that one of the greatest weapons, if not the greatest weapon that the devil has is deception. You know, when you watch magicians that are really good, that, um, you know, basically do it for a full-time living. They, they uh, entertain people and stuff like that. We know that it's, as they call it, smoke and mirrors. We know that it is a show that is cleverly presented. There are no supernatural powers. It is all illusionary. It is the hand being faster than the eye. It's deceptive tactics to get you looking over here while he's doing something over here. And it's mirrors, it's things that are staged to maybe create a, a narrative, but it's, it's, it's totally uh, set up and it's not real. But, you know, when you watch a lot of these magicians, if not all of them, they all have long sleeves, kind of like what I'm wearing. And uh, maybe they even have a cape on, and you know, they've got all kinds of gadgets in there and doodads and maybe even multi-layers of clothing and maybe even pigeons and rabbits stuffed in there because <laughs> they really aren't just pulling them out of a hat. They were already in there. But the thing is, is that you don't see a magician really uh, performing with a short sleeve shirt or without some kind of stage prop like a table blocking from halfway down. They, they always have these props. They never come out with everything exposed and, as we would say, transparent, where you can see that they're not pulling any, gim any gimmicks or tricks because that's all they're doing is pulling gimmicks and tricks. But we have to understand that the devil, who's been on the planet for a long time and has been deceiving humans for a long time, he uh, is the master illusionist, and he's very, very good at this. So he works very highly in the area of deception. But God's word is higher than his lies. So we can navigate around them, through them, and uh, we can get through the smoke and we don't have to be faked out by the mirrors. Praise God. These are things that we want to discuss today. Let's look at 1 Timothy just for a moment. Chapter 2. I thought this was very similar as uh, we were talking about Eve. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verse, excuse me, verse 13. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived fell into transgression. If you were to read this in the Greek, uh, when it talks about Eve, the woman, it basically says the woman being thoroughly, completely deceived. That's what it says in the Greek. She wasn't just deceived. She was absolutely, completely hoodwinked by the serpent. I mean, she had the, we say the wool pulled over your eyes. She had the wool pulled over everything. I mean, she was just taken in completely by the deception of the enemy. Now, Adam was not deceived. Now, he 
did sin. He did eat also of the forbidden fruit, but he knew what was going on. And my friends, I believe that God's going to help you to know what's going on. And not only will you know that, hey, this is a deception, this is not right, but you will also not partake of the temptation. A temptation, of course, is always going to be presented as kind of like the, you know, the Narnia movies with the Turkish delight. In other words, the temptation is something that would look appealing to eat, and, uh, but it's going to produce spiritual death in you. However, deception can be even more clever. Deception can be a temptation, and, and it is, but it can be more clever in the way that it's presented. Perhaps it's presented through the format of a multitude, whereas they say, we're all doing it, and they want you to participate, and then you feel like you're an outcast, or you don't belong if you don't fit in, and so there's pressure. And uh, these are things that we're facing today in our society, but we're not going to give in. We're going to hold strong. Now let's go back over to 2 Corinthians 11 one more time. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve, how? By his craftiness. It's very, very sneaky. So your minds, now remember, he's going to try to present things maybe to your mind from a natural perspective might seem like a good opportunity, but, but it would run contrary to scripture. I would also say that it would run contrary to what we would know as biblical principles. In other words, this is not the way you do things. This doesn't, this is not the normal way to do it right. So this so-called wisdom or deception will come in a very, very sneaky way, but we're not going to fall for it. Praise the Lord. The greatest defense that you have against deception is to know the truth. You want to know the truth, and then you want to be spiritually discerning. Now, with, with your mind, you rightly divide the Word of God. You study the Word, and uh, you know, you're using your mind to read and meditate and things like that. But it's also with your spirit that you not only are involved in the receiving and meditation of the Word, but also in the area of discernment, because discernment is in the spirit, because you may be a, a new Christian, and maybe you don't know uh, a lot of the Bible. Maybe the only book you've read is the book of John, and the other 65 books, you haven't even touched them yet, but you got saved, and you read the book of John, so you're born again. But even though you might not know a lot of the Word of God, you may not have a, a what we would call a good knowledge base or a working knowledge of the Word of God. You still can have discernment as you walk with the Lord, and there's something on the inside, which is, which is the Holy Spirit living in you, who is bearing witness with your spirit that something about this is not right. Maybe it's that feeling where you can't put your finger on it, but something about this doesn't line up. It doesn't make sense. And as they often say, if the deal is too good to be true, then it probably is. But the deception, which is a lie, would be something uh, to pull you in. And then once the deed is done, then maybe they're off with your money and or they've, they've uh, got you to sign a contract. And now you could find yourself in a situation. But the Holy Spirit is giving discernment so that we know these things and that we know the word of God. 
so that we have the light to cut through all of the smoke and fog. Praise God. Now we see, of course, this is why Jesus prayed a very special prayer in the Gospel of John, chapter 17. Let's take a look at that today. Verse 15, Jesus said, as he's praying to the Heavenly Father, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. The word sanctify means set apart. And in this context, it's set apart for God. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So knowing the word of God, which is absolute truth, it allows you to uh, easily see through the deception of the enemy. Now, the enemy can disguise it pretty good. He can be pretty ca- uh, crafty, but even still, the Word of God is so illuminating that it will expose it every single time. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth, by the truth. Hallelujah. So the truth of God's word is our greatest defense against deception in our culture that is being spread by the devil and those that would be under his influence and under his control and dominion. Now, Paul, the apostle, wanted us to be aware of the extreme dangers of living in the last days because we're facing things that other generations previously did not face. The world has changed and is moving in a certain direction, and some of the sweetness of yesteryear, that's never going to come back. It doesn't mean that we can't see a move of God, see people saved, but the world has moved into deeper levels of darkness and uh, the train has no brakes on it. And so it's going to keep going in that direction. Let's jump over now to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and take a look today at verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, and that's where we're at, we're in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits, So these are spirits that specialize, are you ready for this? In deceiving people. They want to get people to believe a lie. They want to get people so confused that they don't, that a man doesn't even know if he's a man or a woman. He can't figure it out. Can you, can you uh, fathom the level of deception that has to be so thick that a person cannot even tell what sex they are. And if they're a man and they believe that they're a woman, stop and think about the level of deception that would have to be operating, not only for them to believe that, but for a society to come under such pressure and uh, conformity through the media and through other institutions to apply such pressure that people say, yeah, uh, I guess that's true when it's biologically impossible. Wow. Very, very interesting. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to what? Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. 
wow, this is some really yucky stuff that we're looking at here. And of course, we're not oblivious to, you know, news going on within the church and so forth. This has been going on for several years now, but it seems to have gotten more momentum where, for example, you see a lot of well-known or those that used to be popular maybe years back, but they still have kind of like a, uh, maybe like an influential, influential status within the church, say like a well-known Christian singer. Maybe they were really big in the eighties or nineties. And that's when they had their high water mark. Uh, but today they're still well known. And so today you see a lot of those people that are now selling out and they are selling, uh, or they're saying things like, well, we now believe that homosexual marriage is okay and Jesus is fine with it and uh, we should just accept it because we have to progress in our Christian experience and we have to learn to love and they make statements like that and you think wow what happened you were the one that wrote all those maybe praise or worship songs about the Lord and now you're over here agreeing with those that also agree with pedophilia uh, uh, with, with uh, homosexuality and just about anything goes. And you stop and think, well, what's going on? Well, we're in the latter days. So, it, so in one sense, we have to expect this, but at the same time, we are seeing it all around. You know, a lot of these uh, well-known Christian singers, they live in Nashville or that area, Brentwood and so forth, very nice area of Nashville, Tennessee. But you have to understand the Christian music industry. There, uh, it, a lot of that revolves around, just to be honest, it revolves around the love of money. Even if, it, if it's called contemporary Christian music, it runs in many ways like the secular world does, whether it's country, western, or rock, or rock and roll, or whatever. They want to feed the people what the people want. And there's certain sounds, and there's certain uh, thematic events with wording and things like that. They, they bake all of that into their equation when they put music out. And uh, there's a real dark side to it. So you can prop somebody up and give them an image of, or a persona of being Christian, but behind the scenes, the reality sometimes can be starkly uh, different. I mean, it can be, it could be so crazy that you could have a whole group, a Christian group, maybe four guys, they're a Christian band. And then you find out later, none of them are even saved but yet they're selling records or, uh, you know, their music is real high on charts and people listen to their music. And maybe the words technically are orthodox or the words are like, you know, they would line up with the Bible, but as far as living it, those guys might not, they might not even be saved. So this is what we're living in today. And, uh, it's a lot of, um, a lot of compromise because of the moral decay within our nation. And speaking of moral decay, I don't know why uh, this the city of Atlanta uh, has so many preachers that are just going uh, off the deep end when it comes to getting away from the Bible. Many of them are saying that the Bible now is not the inspired Word of God. It's just a book written by men. And so they are backing off on the inerrancy of Scripture. They're backing off of the infallibility of God's Word and the things that uh, we know as traditional Christian beliefs and values that are based upon the Word of God. They are distancing themselves from that, and now they're preaching and teaching 
basically forms of wokeism and liberalism, and all of that has now crept into their churches. Some of them have large churches, and uh, there's also a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes with that. But it's compromised. Why? Because there are deceiving spirits. And let me, let me say this for the record. A lot of these pastors that maybe be that they might be well known, uh, but at the same time now they're saying that well, it's okay if we marry gay people. Uh, after all, they do love each other, so therefore we should uh, marry them, and it's okay. Um, those that are now saying things like that, um, even 10, 20 years back when they were you know ministering and were still on the radar as far as being you know nationally visible figures, even then there was like like no connection I had with them. It's like it doesn't didn't matter how popular you are, how, how many people you're speaking to, there's something about your message to me that kind of reminds me of what A.W. Tozer said. He said there was one preacher that was really well known in his generation, he, but he said every time he listened to him, it's like trying to shave with a banana peel. And that's kind of like the way I felt with a lot of these guys who now have come out basically as being... Uh, non-believers in God's word, yet they're still uh, pastoring large churches. The message has no bite. The message has no central theme of salvation through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They won't even mention the blood of Jesus. And so it's not surprising to me that some of these guys are uh, kind of going haywire because I don't think they were ever really rooted and grounded strongly in the first place. So it's sad to see it happen, and at the same time, uh, we know why. Because in the last days, the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits. And that's just the truth. These guys are deceived. They're deceived. And, you know, there was one real popular preacher, some of you know who I'm talking about, uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, who was real popular, uh, so popular that... He probably could have become the mayor of the town if he would have ran for the office. But, um, you know, but anyhow, large church and stuff like that. Well, he came out some years back uh, and said that there's no such thing as hell. There is no such thing as eternal punishment. And so it, there's no such thing as the lake of fire. And uh, so he was like a, a pioneer for the dark side of falling away. And that pretty much wrecked his ministry. But a lot of these guys, um, they want to have their books on the, New, on the New York Times bestseller list. And nothing wrong with that if the book glorifies the Lord and it, it's not compromised. But a lot of these guys, they'll do anything for power and for fame. And there's a lot of money also involved in this, also under the table. It's no secret that there are many behind-the-scene multi-billionaires who are happy to buy off and pay off ministers if they bring their message down and compromise these areas with the intent purpose of continuing to morally corrupt America. Praise God. Well, we're not for sale. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's take a look and see what God's Word says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. This is amazing. This is really, really helpful right here. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows, so here's the seal. 
The Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ do what? Depart from iniquity. If you really want to know who belongs to the Lord, who's uh, truly dedicated to the Lord and who's not just playing a game. Here it is right here. The Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So when a pastor justifies sin and says, it's okay, God understands, or, or doesn't even uh, call it sin and dismisses and tries to explain away the very concept of sin and says there is no such thing as it, <laughs> you know that is a person who is deceived and is being influenced by the doctrine of demons. Mm-mm. And those are the days we're living in, praise God. But we're walking in the light. <laughs> we're going more and more into the illuminated glory of God, into the uh, unfolding beauty of God's Word. And the others, if they choose to go off in the darkness, that's their choice. But we're not going with them. Hallelujah. We're going to the light. We're going to Jesus. And we're taking as many with us to heaven as possible. And we're going to take a whole bunch. Now, let's jump over now to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is an, this is an amazing statement here. Um, for some believers, this one like goes whoosh, right over some of their heads. But yet here it is in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Why would Paul say do not be deceived? Because it's possible to be deceived and actually think something's going to happen when Paul says, ah, no, this is not going to happen. Watch this. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators. What is a fornicator? Somebody who is basically sleeping around having sex with other people. Okay. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now look at verse 11. And such were some of you. Now let me ask you a question. He said, such were some, were some of you. The word were, W-E-R-E, is it past tense, present tense, or future tense? Well, it's past. And such were some of you. He did not say, and such are some of you. I'm glad some of you are still practicing homosexuality because you're all going to go to heaven. He didn't say that. He said, and... And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So they got born again. That's what it is to be justified, to be right with God. What Your sins washed away through the blood of Jesus, so you're justified just as if it had never happened. You're born again and you're clean. Praise the Lord. And the Corinthian church was full of people that came out of very hedonistic 
sexually perverted backgrounds, but they were washed and they were clean, set apart, sanctified. Amen. And so if you repent and you turn to the Lord and you live for the Lord and don't practice those things, you can go to heaven. But if not, it says that they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul said, don't be deceived. You can't go, you can't go to heaven doing those things. I had a lady in my church one time after a prayer meeting, she said, well, she said, homosexuals go to heaven. Uh, I said, uh, no, homosexuals, child rapists, murderers, liars, thieves, robbers, sinners don't go to heaven. You can't, there's nowhere to go to heaven and go hide behind a wall somewhere and practice uh, homosexuality. There's no, there's no homosexuals running around in heaven practicing that. Now, it is very possible for people that used to be in that lifestyle who got saved and were washed with the blood of Jesus and have been born again and have turned to the Lord. Yes, you're, you got your ticket stamped. You're on your way to heaven. But you can't practice these things and somehow think that you're going to go to heaven. So I told that sister in the church, I said, no, that's not true. And I pulled these scriptures up right here to her and read them to her. She did not want to hear it. It seemed like to drive the uh, spirit of deception that was influencing her uh, a little bit nutty. But, you know, uh, people that are deceived like that, they cannot move into what God has for them with the blessing and the goodness package that God has for them. And this was a person that, <laughs> bless their heart, would always share a testimony. And when whenever you would wait for the good part of the you know, you're the testimony bills, and then you get to the good part where, you know, you unveil the breakthrough that God did. Well, there was never the good part. It would already, it was always be a testimony, and then it ended because it fell apart. And those aren't testimonies. Those are bad life experiences, and you didn't overcome. That's all this person knew was things like that. But if you have doctrine like this, which is doctrine of demons, that you think that you can practice any kind of sin and still go to heaven, uh, you're deceived. And if you teach that to others, then you're trying to lead them into deception also. So that person eventually moved on down the road, so to say. I don't know where they're at now. But um, those with itching ears are looking for somebody that will agree with them. And there's plenty of woke preachers out there that will be glad to sit down with you and tell you that it doesn't matter what you do. God loves us all, and we're all going to go to heaven. My friends, that's not true. You can't get to heaven unless you are born again, washed with the blood of Jesus. Your faith is in the Lord and you're living for God. You're serving the Lord and you're walking with him. Praise God. So that's what we want to do. We want to walk in the word and the word does what? It exposes these deceptions for what they really are. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's jump back over there just for a moment. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Let's read that again. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. There are many voices. There are many uh, things in the earth today that would work to try to corrupt your mind, but we're not going to let, let it happen. Verse 12, 
Paul says, but what I do, I will also continue to do that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Hmm. I tell you what, Jesus talked about this. He said, there will be those that said, Lord, in your name, did I not cast out devils? Did I did I not work miracles and do all of these things? And he said, I will tell you, depart from me. I never knew you. They were living double lives. I've met some of these false apostles before that can say some things that would have a lot of truth mixed in it, but it's also got a lot of strangeness mixed in it too. Whatever happened to good preaching and teaching of the word of God, instead of just maybe just uh, talking about visionary experiences all the time. I'm all for visions and the supernatural, but whatever happened to preaching and teaching, because if you are a fivefold minister, apostle, prophet, uh, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, then your calling primarily is to preach and or teach the word of God. And so a lot of people, all they do is talk about you know, what they see in the spirit realm all the time, but uh, have almost a zero track record of actually preaching and teaching messages from the Bible. Wow. And so that's what keeps you grounded. While we love the supernatural, we want to stay grounded because yes, the false is out there. I've ran into quite a few of them over the years. Now they are a minority, but they are absolutely still out there. And you also have false, I call them false mystics. I've met them too. Anytime you have a genuine, you have the false. There is, there are men and women of God who have a deep walk with the Lord where they really pay the price to push in and really get to know the Lord. Anytime there's a true, genuine anointing, there somewhere along the line has been a price paid. There has been sacrifice there has been tears, there has been prayers, there's been giving, there's been something that has moved the heart of God. And so you have some that walk in some things that are very special. Ah, but others who are not willing to pay that price, they still want the same, maybe uh, acknowledgement, and maybe they want to be also identified in the same category, just like you, the false apostles, they wanted the same status or recognition that Paul had but they're not willing to go through anything, not even one one hundredth of what Paul went through, but yet they also want to boast and proclaim themselves to be above Paul. I was ministering overseas one time, and a certain minister began to minister. And I've told this story before, but you need to understand that if you could have the invisible realm pulled back for a moment, uh, that separates the natural from the, from the spirit. And you could pull like, pull like the curtain back. In other words, if you could remove all of the props from the magician, because the magician's a fake, 
okay? Uh, th these guys aren't like the, uh, the magicians that, that, that Pharaoh had that are turning staffs into snakes, okay? The stuff we see today, 98% of it or 99, it's all sleight of hand. It's all tricks. So if you could pull away all their tricks, you could see they, they're, they can't do anything now because now you can see exactly what they're doing. Well, it's like that when the Holy Spirit comes, when you have the mixture of the word that that is already highlighting you, something's wrong here. But then you could also have the Holy Spirit who, who comes in with even greater insight and just literally just pulls the curtain back and it is what it is. And you could see the whole thing for the big yucky mess that it is. So one time I was ministering overseas this particular minister goes up to minister and my wife and I already thought something's, something's off. Something's weird here because the person was not supposed to be one of the conference speakers, but another person, another prophet brought this person. And the reason he brought this person was to make a money pool. And some guys and gals, they tried to work that as a system, like a, almost like a, a WWF uh, tag team wrestling. You know, they're going to tag up together and they're going to, they've already planned how they're going to work the crowd. Well, this one minister who I did know, but was in no way connected with, he had invited her to come because they've already got this thing cooking. By the way, that one minister, he's dead now. He's not alive. You, you play these games you, and you, there's a place, the Holy Spirit just says, that's it. Uh, and so he died uh, not too long ago. Very sad very tragic and very needless, but he wouldn't repent and he wouldn't stop all of these silly things that he was doing. Anyhow, he brought her and she gets up and she begins to minister and she's kind of saying technically things from the Bible, things that are good, but she was a fake mystic. And uh, she, uh, th there are very few people that have true stigmata that it's given to them by the Lord. And those that have it, it is their yoke and their burden to carry that God gave them. But there are some that see that, that, that see the sacredness and the beauty of the genuine, and they want that, but they, they have, they're not called to it, or they've never paid the price to walk with the Lord like the great saints have. So uh, they get over into the occult, and then there's false signs and wonders. And this person, you know, Jesus had his back scourged. This person had a special shirt where when this manifestation happened, uh, this person would take the coat off and then the shirt had some hole like holes in it that were like nicely cut so that you could see the blood begin to instantly start oozing out and running down the back, uh, kind of like mimicking or replicating Jesus when he was whipped and scourged. And so this started happening. The blood's running down and stuff like that. And the Holy Spirit, uh, spoke immediately to Kelly and I. And the first thing that happened was this incredible smell of a skunk. Now, the smell of a skunk or the smell of excrement represents a false mystic, or it can also be false prophet, false apostle. Because in the spirit realm, it stinks. In the natural, you can't smell anything. So you're trying to judge this by the word. But in the spirit realm, uh, it's disgusting. Because why? It's, it's demons that are involved in this. Well, needless to say, there were a lot of problems that are, arose because what took place in that conference. 
And uh, I could say more, but I, I don't want to go into detail. I just want you to know that just because it's supernatural doesn't necessarily mean it's God. And sometimes it's absolutely not God. But here in the Western world, in America, we have a lot of gullible, charismatic Christians. We have a lot of gullible, spirit-filled Christians that faint and fawn over anything supernatural, and they don't judge it by the Word, and they don't allow their hearts to discern what the Holy Spirit would try to bear witness with them concerning what's taking place. Praise the Lord. But, but we need to know the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God. Praise God. You know, any prophet... If what he says, even if it comes to pass, but he leads people away from the Lord, God's word says that that person is a false prophet. So we need to stay close to the Lord. And we need to also remember the amazing truth from God's word that will keep us along the right path. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Woo, praise God. See, here's where we're at right now in America. We're in a place in America where there is so much moral decay that is now considered normal for parents, say like a mom, to take her two little kids to a local library to attend a drag queen show. And it's, it's celebrated by the biggest newspapers in America. It's celebrated by the uh, major uh, media outlets of America. And it's applauded that a pervert does something like that. It's applauded by these outlets that do these types of things. But you have to understand, if preachers go along with these things, and Christians say, well, you know, uh, I guess we have to just be tolerant, and we have to understand they have a view too. Well, those things will lead to blindness, spiritual blindness, and then it only goes from level to level of deeper darkness. So the great understanding of God's Word is that it leads to purity and holiness. Let everyone, that's every single believer, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And all of the wokeism in the pulpit today, all of it is designed to lead people into iniquity, to lead people away from living a clean life. Woo, praise God. So that's one of the greatest um, illuminators in this walk against deception. Praise God, because God wants you to be clean. Jesus is coming back for the bride that will be pure and spotless, clean garments. Our garments will be clean, and we will go to be with the Lord, and we will miss the great tribulation and the wrath of God that will be poured out upon the earth. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Let me talk for a few minutes about some of the ways that a Christian can be deceived by the world. I would say today in our, in our time where we're at right now, that the number one way that a believer could be deceived would be by watching the news media and believing it. <laughs> to be actually so gullible to watch it and to think 
They are sincere and truthful, and they really care about you, and all they want to do is report the truth. Wow. I want to read a statement here. This is a quote from a former chief of staff at the New York Times. Now, this was said by this man in 1953. And if this was true in 1953, think about how much more totally true this statement is. So in 1953, John Swinton, former chief of staff at the New York Times, made this statement at the New York Press Club. Let me get a drink of hot tea real quick. This is what he said. Concerning a free press, this is what he said. There is no such thing in America as an independent press. You know it, and I know it. The business of a journalist is to destroy truth, to lie outright, to pervert, to vilify, to fawn at the feet of mammon, and to sell his country and his race for his daily bread. You know it, and I know it. And what folly is this, toasting an independent press? We are the tools and vassals for rich men behind the scenes. We are the jumping jacks. They pull the strings, and we dance. Our talents, our possibilities, and our lives are the property of other men. We are intellectual prostitutes. Isn't that amazing? Now, if he said that in 1953, John Swinton, former chief of staff at the New York Times, how much more today when you have to understand that the press is manipulated by rich and powerful men, rich and powerful corporate entities and groups on the other side that are influencing them and buying them off and telling them what to say and what not to say. It's all manipulated. And if you believe their lies, you will be deceived. It reminds me of many years back when Lester Sumrall, as a young man, went to go visit for the first time Smith Wigglesworth, the famed British evangelist. So uh, Lester Sumrall, as an American in England, he goes to visit him and knocks on his door. And uh, Smith Wigglesworth comes to the door and meets him and uh uh, Lester Summerall standing there with the newspaper, the morning newspaper under his arm. As Smith Wigglesworth said, what's that? And uh, Lester said, well, it's, it's the morning paper. He said, you can't bring that trash into my house. It's all lies. And so Lester Summerall took it and shoved it into the uh, bushes. <laughs> my friends, if it were lies... Back in the 1940s. Oh, well, Pastor Stephen, today, though, in 2023, it's all truth. Everything on the media now is true. <laughs> Woo! No, it's more. It's more lies now than it ever has been before. It's all manipulated. Praise the Lord. So, so understand that, okay? These are ways that you can be deceived by the world. Watch out. Stay in the Word. Stay in the light. Here's another reason you can be deceived. Believing that you can be strong spiritually without having an active devotional prayer life. I can handle it, Pastor Stephen, without walking close to the Lord in the day and age in which we're living, without spending time in the Word and having good prayer time, 
The enemy will wait until you're spiritually weak, and then he will launch an attack that you won't be ready for, and you won't have the strength to respond, because it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's how you overcome. That's how you win. So you must be very, very careful in that area. Don't be deceived. Don't abandon your prayer time thinking, oh, I'll be okay. I'll be okay for a week. I'm going on vacation. I'm not even bringing my Bible. Watch out. Watch out. Don't be deceived. Stay on your toes spiritually. Here's some other ways that we can be deceived by the world. By believing that having an abundance of money and possessions will somehow make us happy. Hmm. No, it won't satisfy, will it? Only Jesus can. By believing that eating food, drinking alcohol, or using drugs can relieve stress, and that will make us happy. No, that won't make us happy either. That's another deception. Here's another way to be deceived. By believing that gratifying sexual lust will bring lasting satisfaction without any negative consequences. Mm, it is a... It is a very dark deception. Here's another one. Believing that I can practice sin and suffer no negative consequences. No, it's a lie. If you're practicing sin, you will get paid for practicing that. If you work in a certain area, you're going to get a payment for that. What are the wages of sin? It's, it's death. Well, spiritual death, absolutely. But it will certainly uh, exa exasperate physical death and health problems and all other kinds of problems, mental problems. So let's stay away from that, that praise the Lord. How can we be deceived by believing that people who refuse to receive Jesus will go to heaven anyhow? No, they won't. No. Well, pastor Stephen, good people go to heaven. There are no good people outside of being washed with the blood of Jesus. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That, that doesn't mean a person have a, cannot, uh, might not have a good personality, a nice smile. Uh, but what I'm talking about good, I'm talking about uh, where you can be accepted. The only way you can be accepted by God is to be in His Son, Jesus. Outside of that, all of our so-called righteousness is just, as the Old Testament prophet said, it's dirty, filthy rags. Praise the Lord. Nobody's good to go, good enough to go to heaven without Jesus. One sin will keep you out. Now, once you're born again and washed with the blood of Jesus, it doesn't mean, of course, that you're sinless, but it does mean that you're in right relationship with God. And if you miss it, you can repent and uh, get that fixed real quick and then continue on with the Lord. But without Jesus, you don't have a chance. Praise the Lord. That is a deception that the enemy has sold to many people. Here's another deception, believing that I can associate with bad company and not become corrupted. No, there's no exceptions. If you hang around with bad company, you'll start talking like them, which is bad talking. You'll start uh, uh, maybe drinking like them or behaving like them. It will affect you. So you want to stay uh, with the right company. Here's another deception, believing that I can read watch or listen to anything I want and yet not be corrupted. No, no, we need to guard what comes into us, what we allow to come into us. Praise the Lord. Here's another means of deception. Believing that there are many paths to God 
and Jesus is only one of the many ways. No, that is an end time antichrist, one world religion uh, deception, and it is an absolute, complete lie. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. My friends, watch out. These doctrines of demons are floating around out there. These deceptions are out there, but we're going to stay in the light of the word. Praise God. You know, it's possible to even deceive yourself. If you give into deception and those blinders come on you, then you can walk around in the dark and bump into a lot of things that can be very hurtful. Here are some ways that we deceive ourselves. Number one would be hearing God's word, but not doing what it says. Praise the Lord. Hearing God's word, but not doing it. That leads to what? We are self-deceived. Mm, and we don't want that. Here's another one. Thinking that I can be truly religious, yet not control what I say. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you, can't, you cannot separate spirituality from the way that you talk and the words that come out of your mouth. Because what's coming out is an expression of what is on the inside. So we need to get them both lined up properly. Here's another way that we can deceive ourselves, thinking that we can live successfully without the Holy Spirit's help. My friends, I, I'm big on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to you and I who Jesus was to the 12 apostles because they had Jesus there with them full time. Uh, you know, but we have the, Jesus is now in heaven, but his spirit is here in us and walks next to us. And he goes with us 24 seven. So you need the Holy spirit. You need to be baptized, immersed in the Holy spirit, filled up speaking in other tongues, praying in the spirit and walking in the flow of the Holy spirit. When you do that, when you do that, you'll soar above the lies and the deceptions that have engulfed and ensnared so many. You know, the great deceiver, the Antichrist, will eventually come on the scene, and I believe we will be at the wedding supper of the Lamb, enjoying a seven-year getaway with Jesus. Amen. The Boy, that's going to be a long banquet table, isn't it? But the Antichrist will come up on the scene on the earth, and he will deceive many. And the false prophet, he's going to help him out. He's going to be doing fake signs and wonders to deceive the multitudes. Mm. But my friends, we know those things are a lie. We know that the one world agenda is a lie. And we know that God sent Jesus, his son to the earth as a ransom to pay the sin penalty that has kept men in bondage and Jesus paid it in full. Hallelujah. And we can be free in him. And since we're free, we're not about to go back into that darkness anymore. We are coming into Passover and we have come out of Egypt and all of his darkness and all of his lies. And we're walking in the light. Praise God. Perhaps you're watching today and you realize, yes, this world is under the influence of the prince of darkness and there's deception everywhere. 
Well, the way that you come into the light is to come into the truth by asking Jesus to come into your heart and giving your life to him. And if you haven't done that today is your day. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. Now, if you used to be a Christian, but maybe you fell away and you have gotten off into sin, but you know that Jesus is still the truth and you need to come running back to God right now. And you can rededicate your life to the Lord and be washed clean from all of your sin. So I want you to pray this prayer too. All right. So let's pray together. Just pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I repent and turn from all of my sin. Jesus, wash me with your precious blood. Save me right now. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, step into my life right now and lead me and guide me. From this day forward, in your name I pray, amen and amen. And as you have prayed that prayer from your heart, your life is now right with God. Continue to walk with Him and walk in the light of His Word. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory to God. Glory to the Lord Jesus. God is liberating people right now. The Holy Spirit is moving liberating people right now from what has now been unveiled as lies of the satanic system. Lies that the prince of the power of the air would throw like a big blanket over billions of people wanting them to believe a lie. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. But we're walking with the Lord Jesus and he can't fool us. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit is moving very, very strongly, very, very strongly right now, setting people free from lies, from deception. Lord, we give you praise. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for those that are watching right now that no deceiver ever be able to get one over on them. Father, we know that with deception, then comes the more fuller manifestation of the devil, which is to steal, kill, and destroy. But it begins with deception. So I pray for your people, Father God, that the enemy and those that the enemy would try to work through will never pull one over on your people ever again. They simply won't engage. They won't reach for the bait. They won't reach for the fruit on the tree like Eve did. Father, we thank you. That's not going to happen. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God, for protection. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit bringing your word to our remembrance in those moments to expose the deceptive lie for what it is. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, when you know it's a deception, you know you're talking to a snake. And that's not a good conversation to have. Just close it out, wrap it up, and depart from the conversation because there's nothing, there's nothing going on there, but a bad intention, wrap it up and get out. Don't have conversations with snakes. <laughs> Woo. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Oh, glory to God. My friends, let's take Holy communion. I want to encourage you to grab some grape juice and some unleavened bread and let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We thank you that as Christians, we can all take communion together all around the world. We thank you for this great joy. And so, Father, we bless the juice and the bread and set it apart as being holy through this prayer. And we thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we thank you for the illumination of your word against any lie, any deception, knowing that the enemy is trying to deceive us because he wants to steal something, maybe even bring, bring in death or killing, but it's not going to happen. Thank you, Father. We bank our lives on your word, and we receive now the Lord's body. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. Praise the Lord. Father, we give you praise. We thank you that we believe we've still got some time. Lord, we're trusting for that to continue to do business or occupy until Jesus comes. We want to still reach the lost. We still want to fulfill our callings and destinies. And at the same time, Father, I thank you that everyone watching me, not one person, will miss the catching up of the saints because they were deceived and be left behind to meet the Antichrist. I thank you, Father. Not, they're not going to fall for those lies. They're not going to fall for it, Father. We give you praise. They're not destined to have a mark on their forehead or a mark on their, on their, on their hand. No, they're not, they're not destined for that group. We're glory bound. We thank you, Father God. We're going to be in heaven with you for all eternity. Now, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus washing away all sin. Father, we also understand the deception of unforgiveness, that it brings bitterness and it blocks the blessings. And Father, we forgive right now anybody who has sinned against us. We completely forgive them. And we move on in you. We move on in you with happy hearts. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus washing us, cleansing us from all sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's blood together. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Here's a book I wrote called Supernatural Fragrance. Uh, I would call it essential reading material for those that want to stay clear from deception. Because as the rabbis understood, your eyes could potentially be deceived. We know that from a mirage. You could think that you're seeing water. You walk up to it. It's not there. It was only a mirage. Your ears sometimes can hear something mistakenly, or maybe you didn't hear the full context of what was being said. But Scripture basically reveals that the nose is an accurate means of discerning what is, is actually taking place. So in other words, the nose knows. So this is called Supernatural Fragrance, and this book teaches you how to discern supernatural fragrances that reveal right from wrong, good from evil, and what's of God, and certainly what's of the devil. Amen. And this book is, um, it's unusual. It's unusual. There's very little literature on this in the body of Christ. And so this is a whole book on the subject with 77 
fragrances that are listed, what their meanings are, so that when you smell them in the spirit realm, you can understand what God is trying to tell you. And wow, can God ever speak through smell in some incredible ways. I had it happen just a few days ago and uh, riveting what the Lord can do. This book is available uh, at our website, stephenbrooks.org. Just click on the store and you can order it and we will get it to you. Now, if you live out of the country, uh, it's available online at uh, different bookstores really all over the world. Uh, but if you're in the States, we can ship it to you. Shipping is um, a real challenge, especially when going to places like Australia or China <laughs> or the Middle East. If we send the books to the Middle East, they never arrive. They, they get confiscated on the way. But here in the States, we can get it to you. If you live in another country, uh, find it online. And also the easiest way is to download it as an ebook. Okay. So that's an option also. Well, we're getting real close to Passover Resurrection Sunday. I want you to continue to pray and be mindful about sowing your very special seed either on that day or before April the 9th for Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate, we commemorate that day as being the day when God gave his very best. And so to commemorate that day, we want to give our best offering to the Lord. And your gift will help us to move forward in the ministry. So I want you to pray about giving a special Passover Resurrection Sunday offering for April the 9th. And Passover is one of the three primary feasts. We were told by the Lord in His Word, don't come before the Lord empty-handed. So I would ask that you would do something that would honor the Lord as being your very best gift, and I appreciate you sowing into the ministry. You can mail that gift in to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654, or if you want to bring it in online, we have a special link at our website, stephenbrooks.org, and you can click on the, on the homepage. There's a link called Projects. It's an orange box. Click that, and then you'll see the box that says Passover Resurrection Offering 2023, and you can click that, and you can bring your special gift in from anywhere in the world. And on behalf of myself and this ministry, uh, my wife and I, we say thank you for supporting this work that God has called us to preach the good news around the world. Amen. Hallelujah. We're walking in the light. We are walking in the light of God's word. Praise God. Amen. Father, I bless your people. I thank you, O oh God. They're too smart in you, in your word, in your spirit to be deceived by any of the enemy's tactics. We thank you, Father God. We give you praise. I speak blessing over your people and great discernment in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, my friends, thank you for watching. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Have a great week. Bye-bye.